Well, hello everyone. This is a data-driven Formula One, and as usual, Patrick Hansen gonna be here. <laughs> hello. Hi, Patrick. Hello. Yeah. So today we're talking about 1957. Also, very interesting season. Um, kind of that. That um, is uh, uh, the last uh, season when we had uh, kind of kind of the last. Um, uh, race in Italy, right? Um, yeah, so yeah, last, yeah. last, last, not last. last uh, yeah, yeah. Final, as I say, final race of the season in Italy. Um, uh, and yeah, so and another win for Fangio. <laughs> yes, uh, as you said, and as we will of course discuss, a very interesting season, and unfortunately also again overshadowed by some uh, tragedy to. Yeah, many fatalities. Yeah, many yes. fatalities. Again, yeah. like 1955 that we've talked about. So I guess again, like in 1956, everyone kind of tightened up for, you know, potential disasters. And then in 1957, people loosened up a little bit. And then, you know, we saw quite, quite a few accidents again. Uh, yes, and again, uh, none in the official uh, Formula One races, but in uh, non-official ones, and uh, especially the one uh, at the Mille Miglia, which will come uh, uh, later, of, of course, had been very uh, relevant, even if it was not uh, Formula One. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was official races, just wasn't in the championship. Because <laughs> it's quite diff different. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And of course, uh, also other kind of uh, cars. But uh, as we discussed uh, in various earlier episodes, uh, when we we're speaking about motorsports in the 1950s, it wasn't so separated as uh, maybe today. So it was quite normal that Formula One drivers also drove. Uh, in the sports cars um, championships and in the uh, open road races, which have been quite famous, especially in Italy at that time. Yeah, and we will discuss uh, the, uh, one of the circuits today that we yeah. also discussed when we discussed Sterling Moss, where uh, Enzo Ferrari basically refused to put his drivers uh, on the track because he felt that it was too dangerous. But um, yeah, before we do that, I guess uh, I also wanted to talk about the strategy again. Uh, Fangio kind of, it, 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 you can say Fangio strikes again <laughs> this season yeah. because uh, he changed the team yet again at the beginning of this season. And what a fantastic choice that was. I mean, yes. he, he has uh, switched to Maserati. And if 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 you watched uh, the series uh, kind of consistently, you would know that Maserati didn't have very good seasons for quite a while. I mean, before then, so they were losing drivers to uh, to fatalities due to accidents and fatalities, and they were losing drivers who just were moving away from uh, Maserati um cars like they wouldn't drive maserati cars and uh, yeah basically this is um this was a big uh big big issue uh, yeah and two things that we need to 
before we forget to mention them, the first thing is Patrick and I decided to do a kind of a separate rather than telling you who was the alternative winners in different <laughs> previous uh, seasons. We decided to do a whole episode on this because there are multiple issues there that we've discovered once we started to do the, the calculations. That's one thing. Um, so we will do a separate, season, a separate uh, episode on that. Um, and then the second thing that I have to uh, rectify, well, actually two things that we need to rectify. The first thing is we said last time that 1956 was the last time where people shared rights. That was, that's not correct. <laughs> because here we will see in this season that the British Grand Prix, you know, we had uh, uh, Tony Brooks and Sterling Moss sharing a driver not only sharing a driver but they also shared the win in, in this in this race in the british race uh, so so yeah so that's essentially one thing and another thing that i need to rectify is that um um i completely forgot to say uh, that in 19 um in 1954 uh and three uh the circuit uh, appeared in 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 Liverpool, UK, and uh, so every year from like 1955, uh, um, we basically have uh, uh, races in British Grand Prix that were happening in Liverpool and then in Silverstone. So, actually, when we we're referring to Silverstone in 1955, that's not correct. That was in N3. Uh, in, in, in Liverpool. So again, in 1955, we had uh, a race in Liverpool and, and, and three. Then we had in 1956 a race in Silverstone. And then again, in 1957, we had a race in three. So I think I mentioned all, all of the, all of, all of the um, kind of, uh, yeah, uh, misinterpretations that 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 happened in the previous episodes so hopefully now yeah. they're all rectified <laughs> and uh, and uh, what i shortly discussed before we started the episode i mean for us it's also quite uh, interesting um, because i mean uh, of course we are investigating each of uh, the episodes and uh, doing so you get from uh, you go from one information to another information connected to another information and it's uh, interesting and funny how much new information you still uh, find with uh, the investigation stories you, you never have heard uh, before, also related uh, Sterling Moss. Um, and uh, as Gander mentioned, we will do a, a special episode on alternative uh, champions where we may also uh, think what would have happened if we had a different kind of uh, scourge. Uh, or who would have been the first um, uh, manufacturers uh, champion as this, uh, cham as this uh, championship only started in 58. So uh, starting with the next year, we will see not only who became the uh, driver champion, but also which uh, team became the team uh, champion. And mm -hmm. uh, so I think it will be a quite fun uh, episode. Uh, also as uh, alternative universes are not only discussed uh, in the string theory, but also, I mean, we all have these uh, comic universes where we see three different uh, universes with three different Spider-Mans, different Jokers, different Batman. So I think this is a topic which is quite uh, popular. So it will be quite fun to discuss this also 
related Formula One. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, yeah for for those of you who are watching this episode, Patrick and I will discuss this uh, this the, this uh, uh, how we're gonna do this episode. And yeah, like uh, many interesting things will happen. So not only uh, you know we we basically will show you what would have happened if people didn't share drives, but also what would have happened if some of them didn't help their competitors <laughs> so, because that happened, believe it or not. And uh, what would have happened if uh, the points were calculated differently. So many, many interesting things. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, so let's go back yeah, to uh, back to 19, Yeah, 1957. And, uh, and I liked uh, to add what you said, uh, Fancho, he was, let's say with his decision making, uh, uh, he was always he always did very good decisions, or uh, also he was um, uh, always very lucky with his decisions. Because uh, if if you know a little bit about decisions making, it's a little bit about uh, opportunities, chances. So let's say you take a decision which ninety percent will be favorable, ten percent negative. So you, so even if the decision itself is very good, uh, you may get a bad result because the chance for a bad result is. 10%. Uh, for example, we discussed uh, the move from Alberto Ascari from Ferrari to Lancia uh, wasn't uh, quite beneficial for his uh, career uh, up to that. Uh, of course, uh, he died uh, uh, later because he took the decision to drive uh, uh, his friend's car, maybe to overcome uh, the, the experience of the ex of the accident with the Lancia in Monaco. Uh, so decision-making, uh, you need also luck uh, to have a, get uh, a good result, even if the decision itself is good. But uh, um, so uh, coming back to Fancho, uh, maybe one of the reasons he left Ferrari is because uh, uh, we had in the team the two alpha males. We had uh, on the one hand uh, Fancho and on the one hand Enzo Ferrari and honestly, uh, you can't imagine that uh, on the long run this wouldn't work out. I mean, it uh, it worked out very good for one season because both men uh, had a clear a goal to win the championship and had been uh, had been quite clear what this partnership would mean and even that it uh, would become uh, quite difficult. We saw that uh, Fancho became the number one driver so three times. He got, uh, had been favored by the team, by Enzo Ferrari. Uh, so some of his teammates had to share after he had accidents or technical failures of the car. Mm -hmm. um, and as um, Gunnar also mentioned, uh, in the past Maserati had been sometimes very close, sometimes not that close. Uh, sometimes the one factor of not winning the championship was that they had unfortunately accidents of their drivers, drivers leaving the team. Uh, but also, let's say another factor was that maybe the car wasn't on the same level as the Mercedes or the um, Ferrari. And this uh, changed uh, in 57 because, uh, interesting, we are still seeing the Maserati 250F and a car which now uh, existed for various uh, years, of course, yeah, always. Yeah, since 1954, yeah, pretty much. Uh, thanks. Uh, so um, uh, it's always, of course, an evolution, but it was never a, a new car. So 
And in comparison to this, the Ferrari 801 was uh, evolution of uh, the Maserati uh, D50, which in comparison, which was uh, the Ferrari was uh, still a more modern car than the, Ferrari, than the Maserati, but nevertheless, the Maserati aged um, much better than the Ferrari and something which we will see in this season. Uh, of course, Ferrari had a lot of tragic um, accidents, but also the uh, car itself seemed not to be uh, comparative against the Maserati. So again, uh, Fangio, we had the best driver and I would also say in that year he was in, sitting in the best car again. So yeah. again, very good decision and luckily uh, also positive outputs um, for Fangio. Mm -hmm. Indeed, and uh, to me, I think that uh, his uh, probably his favorite make was still Mercedes, but because he couldn't yes. drive in Mercedes, he had to take the most opportunistic kind of decision in 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 the in the season. Yeah, in 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 1956, because he, uh, you know, Ferrari was probably the best option there uh, after after Mercedes. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, because I think it, he's, he, like, to, to my mind, he always uh, tried, he was always trying to find the car make or, you know, the, the um, yeah, the, col the collaborator kind of uh, constructor that would give him the most freedom. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously Ferrari is probably not the, not not the no, type not, of, not, not the type of car not the type of uh, not, not the type of make at that point and uh, yeah so that's why he uh, you know when he saw the, that actually you know Maserati is, is competitive and that was obvious from the previous season he figured that you know what like probably driving Maserati is not that bad it's not that it's not that bad of an option and yeah that that was a good because also I think that Maserati really, they, they got excited about having Fangio on board because of so many things that didn't work for them in the previous seasons. Like finally they got someone yeah. who was like really competitive. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I think we should probably mention is the, is one wall uh, that, you know, this is uh, another, um, so of course we saw Coopers, uh, you know, the British like various British makes that that, that competed, but finally we have a competitive one <laughs> that, that is there, and yes, Sterling Moss I think was doing and Antonio Brooks, yeah. So the, the both of them were doing really good job at, at, at trying to make sure that this uh, team is, you know be, became kind of it became competitive team, yeah. Yes, and so also a very uh, interesting figure behind the team is Tony Vanderwell. Well, mm -hmm. Maybe not that known uh, today to the Formula One fans, but really mm -hmm. uh, fascinating. And I'm uh, sure we will do later a special episode uh, about mm -hmm. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting figure uh, in, in itself. And yeah, like uh, we've uh, when we talked about Sterling Moss in a separate episode, we were saying that he, you know, Sterling Moss was so constantly looking for competitive, um, yeah, for competitive makes. And yeah, this was his kind of first. <laughs> British, I mean, competitive British makes, yeah, not just competitive makes, but competitive British makes, and yeah, so, um, yeah, so this was originally British racing motors car, and uh, yeah, it, it developed into this, uh, yeah, 
one more. Yes, well, uh, let's say, uh, let's dive into the season. The season, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, the start as uh, already before in Argentina, at this time, no British uh, teams participated. Uh, honestly, I'm not quite sure why this was the case. Um, if it was just based on budget or also political tensions between Argentina and UK as they had been sometimes. Yeah, I just think that was, there was uh, some uh, uh, difficulties in getting like, but yeah, basically getting the, get, yeah, just getting there physically. <laughs> yes. And uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether the, uh, the the cars were ready by that stage. Yes, uh, I think that it's just uh, yeah th those issues because it's a, it was a like one wall was a relatively young team, so mm -hmm. I just think it was probably just very simple budgeting issue and uh, uh, logistics. <laughs> you know, exactly. because getting to Argentina and getting back to Europe probably yeah it, it was. Yeah, an issue. and also still the budget has been quite uh, tight for all of the teams. Mm -hmm. You still uh, will see uh, um, in the 1960s, for example, that some of the teams, for example, not uh, flew to the finals if they are overseas, uh, as the championship was already. Uh, decided and this uh, for example also included the bigger teams as uh, Ferrari. Mm -hmm. um, I don't re uh, this related to was it 64 somewhere in the, in the 60s as we had the season final in uh, Mexico. Um, uh, important uh, here uh, is the tragical uh, accident at the uh, Mille Miglia shortly after the Argentina race and due to this, uh, we had the last uh, Grand Prix of uh, Alfonso de Portago, as uh, he was, um, he and his co-driver had a, uh, unfortunately a very uh, tragical accident at the Mille Miglia, at that time the most famous uh, open road race in uh, Italy. Uh, due to this accident, not uh, only these uh, both drivers had been killed, but also a group of 10 people from which had been uh, five children. This was uh, really important discussions uh, later in the Italian uh, society. I think there was, uh, no, I think, uh, I know there was a lawsuit which uh, went on for three years uh, where uh, Enzo Ferrari and the team had been sued uh, together with uh, Engelbert, the uh, tire mm -hmm. manufacturer. Yes, uh, because it was said that uh, due to, uh, to win the race, uh, the team uh, avoided having a last pit stop to change the tires and that due to this decision, uh, the accident uh, had been uh, triggered. So we had this lawsuit going on for three years, where at the end, uh, the investigators and the judges came to the conclusion that there was um, uh, it was a pure accident and it was not uh, related uh, to this decision and so uh, the Ferrari team, the same as the tire manufacturer, uh, had been judged as uh, innocent. Uh, this was in Italy not only um, a lawsuit, but it was also, uh, Ferrari was also uh, very strongly criticized by the Catholic uh, Church, which uh, as you can imagine, in the 1950s, had a very strong position in the Catholic uh, country. Uh, Enzo Ferrari was compared as the uh, Latin god Saturn, 
uh, eating his children. Uh, this uh, related uh, um, to the various deaths of the last years of the Ferrari drivers and uh, the uh, rumor that Enzo Ferrari always tried to have some competitive atmosphere inside the team to bring them uh, to bring the drivers to their um, best uh, results. And due to this, uh, this very strong uh, critic by the church, which also strongly affected Enzo um, uh, from this on. And this is something which we, for example, also discussed in the separate episode about him. And also, uh, this was the last year uh, where we had the Millimilia. Uh, as it became too dangerous, this uh, very traditional race had been uh, stopped. Uh, in general, we still had open races, in uh, open street races in Italy. We had the Targa Florio uh, in Sicilia up to the beginning of the 1970s. And uh, then it was stopped because at the uh, 1970s we had the uh, super sports car, which have been practically a bigger versions of the Formula One cars. So uh, honestly, it became too dangerous to have this very fast car uh, uh, racing uh, on the Sicilian um, streets. Mm -hmm. uh, also, uh, part of the Mili Milia, the one near Florence, became part of the open uh, street race, street race um, of uh, Mugello. Also, this uh, Mugello, uh, I think, was uh, finally stopped in the end of the 1960s. And now I'm coming back to Formula One. Uh, because the open street race have been closed, they decided to build the racetrack in Mugello, which uh, had been used mostly for motorcycle races or also touring car races. And finally in, in 2020, it will be part of the Formula One calendar based on uh, the COVID situation. So even if Mugello is a very traditional track uh, built in the end of 1970s. It is the first time in 2020 where Formula One will see this track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to say that if you guys didn't uh, watch the previous episodes and you don't know what Eugenio Castellotti looks like, he's the second uh, guy from the right yep. uh, in this picture. Yeah, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the you know very like again someone who died very young and uh, like what uh, i guess uh, you know not only you know the the, the fact that we had this uh, this legal case against ferrari and also the criticism of the church and uh, everything else that probably also had an impact on the ferrari's performance uh, that season of, of course i mean they've been two very important drivers yeah, and, and and also, you know, the, the dominance of Maserati kind of also could be explained by by, by this that, that basically Ferrari took a took a hit with, with all these events. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, speaking about Aurelio Castellotti, um, he was uh, killed on the Modena Autodrome, which mm -hmm. is not uh, if you if you not the Ferrari racetrack in Mugello but the uh, racetrack uh, in Modena very near to uh, Ferrari and this was testing. And uh, this, also uh, this also, of course, is relevant for the critics by the Catholic Church uh, with the comparison to the God Saturn because uh, 
it seems uh, to be, which you can uh, read in Enzo Ferrari's biography and which you also could see in the uh, Enzo Ferrari TV series, which you have in um, Amazon Prime. Uh, it seems that uh, uh, Castellotti was testing the car, was checking the times with the team and Enzo, and, and, uh, and the team pushed him uh, to drive uh, a little bit faster to, uh, to, to mm -hmm. test the car. And uh, then uh, Castellotti went back into the car and on the next lap uh, died due okay. to an accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But again, like we, we've discussed many times how the protection was yes. basically non-existent. And uh, uh, again, you know, we can only speculate what could have happened had it would had there been proper, of course. you know, protection for, for drivers in these cases. Yeah. Uh, of course. And uh, uh, also as an effect of these two accidents, uh, we see that uh, another driver, Cesare Perdisi, uh, retired from motorsports, motorsports because he was a close friend of Castellotti. Mm -hmm. And the last point, this is really now a fun uh, fact. Uh, the Argentinian Grand Prix was the debut of Alejandro de Tommaso. Tommaso. Mm -hmm. Maybe some, uh, well, I hope some of our uh, listeners or viewers um, may know the name, honestly, not directly from Formula One, as uh, Alejandro de Tommaso was the, later the founder of the car manufacturer uh, de Tommaso which did uh, an Italian sports car, but uh, uh, due to practical reasons, uh, he not developed his own car, but uh, uh, used a Ford engine also to market the De Tommaso brand in the US via Ford, which was working quite good. Later, he bought uh, the Maserati company, as Maserati uh, became into financial troubles, uh, uh, but as De Tommaso was much smaller than Maserati at that time, this didn't uh, went well. And I think both went into bankruptcy and Maserati later became part of uh, Fiat. Fiat. Also, De Tommaso at one year uh, developed an engine for one of the Formula One teams. Um, but honestly, uh, without real success. And also, again, here we had a tragical... Uh, accident that year so that it was finished after one season but just as a fun fact it was the first time we saw Alejandro de Tommaso as a Formula One driver mm -hmm. yeah. um, which is also very important for for team leaderships and uh, team leadership in Formula One as we found with uh, with my course Amanda Goodall that you know having previous experience in competitive driving, not necessarily Formula One driving, makes a difference if you are yes. planning to lead a Formula One uh, team. <laughs> so, yeah. so maybe, you know, uh, maybe not in this case, but, uh, you know, in many cases it helps. Yeah. All right, so now we can go to, to Monaco. Again, very interesting um, uh, novelty there because we first have a, but this is the first time we have a U.S. driver in uh, 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 on the on the podium, yeah. Yeah, on the podium, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Yes, and uh, Marston Gregory, 
he was uh, not driving for one of the factory teams, but for the Scuderia Centro Sud, a private team which mostly uh, deployed uh, Maserati 250F, but also one of their drivers was on a Ferrari 500, I think under Formula 2 uh, rules. Uh, Scuderia Centro Sud, uh, we may, I think may also speak about them in the next season because mm -hmm. uh, for that team also drove the first uh, female uh, Formula One driver. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. It would be an interesting, uh, it would be a very interesting subject to talk about. <laughs> so women drivers in Formula One. Uh, so and 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 uh, uh, definitely that is a uh, that is a big problem in general. You know, women in Formula One, uh, female yeah. presence and diversity. But uh, yeah, uh, we do have uh, fem female drivers, and uh, there were those drivers in the history of sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Indianapolis, yeah, Sam Hanks, um, yeah, and, and also again quite a notable win for him in Indianapolis 500, and um, yeah, uh, again uh, in complete ab absence of European <laughs> teams, <Yes. laughs> um, yeah, so one kind of wonders why it went for so many years without uh, sort of the the, uh, the European teams, but Obviously, yeah. we or, still or had the they, same problems. Why we, have it, yes, yeah. why we have it even in the calendar if really there was no interchange. I mean, the US teams have not been starting in, in Europe and the European ones not in the US. So maybe the, uh, there was in the beginning an idea that we would have more interchange, but honestly, it uh, didn't uh, work out. And I mean, uh, and uh, I think it is well. Ferrari tried, as we know. Ferrari did try, but <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. I think it it just uh, literally requires you to have, um, uh, like in in Ferrari case, it more than two cars, and uh, you know, for American teams, uh, yeah, you need to have uh, more than one car uh, to compete, right? So you need to be. Uh, you just yeah because yeah, and and in terms of dri drivers like you have to have multiple drivers yes. um, yeah and c considering that at that point we didn't actually have teams in proper sense teams it was just yeah individual drivers choosing car makes yeah uh, effectively that's, right. that's what we're referring to as, as as teams at this stage so uh, you know it just makes the whole thing a little bit pointless because yeah you know if it's a team then yeah you might have more than two drivers and and, and all that but um if you're a driver making a decision to go to the states and then come back to europe again that's a long time that's uh, correct mm. and i mean in general this is a, a problem for formula one which we have up to uh, today that uh, there are uh, there are some uh, US, there always had been some uh, US American teams but they never made it uh, to the top the last ones had been uh, British America uh, racing with Jill uh, Villeneuve which not really worked out that well uh, we had uh, we have uh, Haas uh, Ferrari since uh, a couple of seasons now 
which made it up to the midfield, uh, but uh, then they not really uh, continued developing. And this may be also because, uh, to be honest, here in the US, uh, we don't have so many Formula One fans, so fans, it's make, yeah. it makes it difficult uh, to finance uh, a, U a competitive US uh, team, of course. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. So it was uh, when I lived in New York, it was a big problem to find, uh, for example, a pub uh, or bar yeah. where you would have a, uh, you know, in 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 UK, I think any any pub would show right. <laughs> Formula One. Uh, but uh, if you know, if you go to a, like uh, to a US bar uh, with a kind of. Uh, hope to watch uh, the championship uh, you you would probably see anything like a second tier baseball game uh, or football game it's but not but definitely not uh, formula one so you need to actually go to a very special <laughs> special yeah. place uh, but yeah so it's uh, it's it's definitely true that it's not as popular yes and uh, i mean we had also uh, as you know we had uh, us um, uh, drivers. Uh, we even had uh, with Mario Andretti a US champion, uh, but let's say he had uh, this uh, Italian background as he was born originally in Italian territory. Uh, I, I, I've listened to a podcast, it's quite interesting, so he was, he was born in Italian territory, but not uh, in Italian mainland, but I think in today's uh, Yugoslavia, and due to this uh, he had to first immigrate to Italy after the Second World War, and then uh, uh, practically directly immigrated to the US, but let's say he had this Italian heritage, so he was always uh, very near to um, uh, Ferrari and drove for Ferrari in Formula One and also in the sports car, even if uh, he not won the uh, championship with Ferrari, mm -hmm. but with Lotus, if I'm not completely wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, uh, so uh, as usual, uh, you know, Indianapolis uh, track uh, again is completely different. And when we look at the cars, you will also see again <laughs> the difference between, you know, the, uh, the way the cars were made. Um, yeah, so, so indeed very special, again, very special case in Indianapolis uh, and, uh, you know, this, I, I'm just thinking about, about this right now and I think maybe this is why, you know, also we, we don't have that many fans of, of Formula One in the US because historically they, they were not very much engaged with the European side of it. And yeah. then you have many other motorsport moto events in the US that you could follow that are, yeah, US-based and uh, yeah, so. And especially uh, also NASCAR, which is, uh, let's say, yeah, based yeah. especially here in the South, as it's somehow uh, related to the times of prohibition, where the first NASCAR drivers had been the same drivers who drove at night uh, the uh, prohibited uh, alcohol to, from the uh, distilleries to the places where people would drink the alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, I have some last uh, fun fact. Uh, Sam Hanks had been the last Indianapolis 500 winners uh, who also started uh, before the Second World War in the in this race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, France. Again, yeah. we have uh, Herbert McKay Fraser there. 
Yeah, last race. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was his last race, and um, yeah. So again, uh, very. Uh, that's that's him uh, on the right hand side. Uh, you know, was very young. Again, and um, like we said, this this year was probably not a very good year to be a yeah. Formula One driver. Yeah. Um, and certainly it in, ended quite badly for quite a few people. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is why, as we, we will see later, several uh, circuits uh, basically decided not to run the competition, which is why we ended up in, uh, we ended the season in Italy um, very quickly after eight races. Yeah, so... Yeah, like I said, uh, N3 circuit, uh, but it was a new circuit that was built in the 50s. Uh, and yeah, uh, this was again the year 1957 when this was uh, the race was happening there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we had a shared drive um, between Tony Brooks and Sterling Moss and they won in one wall car, which was very uh, big deal. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, like I said before, we finally started to see competitive British cars, uh, which, uh, you know, like Sterling Moss was trying to find for quite a while something British that he could drive and that would get him to the finishing line faster than any other make. And definitely this was a, a one of the the good options. Yeah, and this was then the perfect uh, fit for Moss because uh, Tony Vanderveld's vision was uh, to create uh, a, Brit- a competitive British, British. Uh, all, all British uh, racing team from the car engine uh, up to the driver and make this uh, combination win, yeah. which uh, he should uh, um, achieve, uh, I think, a little bit later. Uh, I mean, nevertheless, uh, uh, Vanderwell, and um, which uh, we shortly mentioned it in one of the earlier episodes, uh, uh, this team started uh, with buying uh, Ferrari uh, F1, F1 cars and used them in the free uh, races and uh, used these uh, years using this technology to learn and based on this developed their um, own car. The, this one wall which we see now. Yeah, I think it also like uh, one uh, the reason uh, one one wall was uh, so keen on kind of British uh, everything British all things British is that the like as we saw before there was like this dominance of Italian Italian yes. makes and Italian drivers so. so uh, to have Sterling Moss there and, you know, like, uh, uh, was, was a good, uh, and, and the other British drivers for that matter, you know, to have a choice. So now it was, I think, I guess was a good, um, was, was a good uh, thing. And, um, yeah, certainly um, did a lot for British, uh, British, British racing. Yeah. Yeah. Great, and with this we are coming to Germany, to the famous uh, Nürburgring. Uh, interesting comment here by Fanjo, as we will see later, he was at that time already very uh, advanced in his 40s. 
but uh, nevertheless, he said, uh, I've never driven that quickly before in my life, and I don't think I will ever be able to do uh, it uh, again. So even uh, he seemed that he was on the zenith uh, of his uh, driver ability. And uh, especially on, on a track as the Nürburgring, uh, to be honest, of experience is really important because it's one of the long, with, I think with around 22 kilometers, it's one of the longest uh, tracks. So it's very difficult, as, as, especially as you're not able normally to remember each uh, breaking point, each curve. So really, uh, experience is here much more important than in the, let's say, in the normal average Formula One uh, track. So uh, here, uh, as uh, Fancho thought this is really the highest level I achieved. Uh, and uh, after this, I will not be able to drive on this level again. And uh, maybe uh, we can... Um, Agree to that because uh, 57 would be his last uh, Formula One uh, mm -hmm. championship. Yeah, and we can tell that he was, uh, you know, Nürburgring was indeed his favorite uh, track because of his favorite circuit. Because uh, if you remember when we um, when we showed you guys this, uh, uh, like um, uh, the photographs of Fangio in kind of later years, yeah. uh, it would uh, it would be photos from a kind of uh, showcase drives at Nürburgring where he would be driving the Mercedes car. <laughs> so that's why, I like uh, in in my mind, I think that he uh, he really liked uh, Mercedes, and uh, you know yes. probably would have continued in Mercedes if he had an opportunity. I would assume yes. But also, yeah, like we, like we said before, uh, you know, we, we started to see younger drivers coming into the sport. And as we told you before, he has driven, for example, with Sterling Moss on the same team uh, uh, when they were driving for Mercedes. And, you know, so that was definitely um, another reason, I think, why he decided that's probably enough. And, uh, you know, time to... Time, time, time to give an opportunity to someone else and probably, you know, do something else in the meanwhile. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let's... Yeah, Pes uh, Pescara was kind of looking forward to this one. So this is the, the, the race that we discussed uh, separately mm -hmm. when, we, when we talked about Sterling Moss. Uh, that was a very long... <laughs> circuit 25 kilometers long and 16 miles long circuit very dangerous uh, uh, drive there yep. and uh, yeah so Sterling Moss actually won that one and uh, uh, it's especially amazing because Fangio actually was on pole for this race and you know it was very difficult um, that's a very, I mean, you can, you can tell from, from this kind of uh, very schematic map that yeah. it's, it's not an easy thing to drive. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, in, in practice, it was even worse because it, 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 it took a while. <laughs> and, and, you know, so you needed to be very, very strong to be able to drive something like this. And uh, certainly the experience of um, Le Mans, you know, would be helping here, you know, so, 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 
yeah so so people who were driving in more lengthy competitions and lengthy races would do well here exactly and uh, in this case uh, the 57 season had a little bit from 2020 as due to the, the disruption uh, a lot of races had been well in this case two races had been cancelled and uh, the organizers had uh, quickly find a solution in 57 they came up uh, with uh, the Pescara circuit as now in 2020 uh, we have the first time um, a Mugello and also uh, Lisboa. Mm -hmm. So uh, some similarities. Uh, as you see, uh, a very um, dangerous uh, track. So originally uh, the Ferrari team didn't want to participate at all. Of course, also as uh, Enzo Ferrari and the team had been heavily in the critics that uh, at that time by uh, by in society, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, in society up to the uh, the church, uh, but nevertheless, uh, Luigi Musso he still had theoretical chances to win, and so he pursued it, uh, and so uh, to participate. So Ferrari just participated with one driver here, and uh, unfortunately had to retire on lap ten with a technical problem. Yeah, another another fun fact that I know about this race is that after winning this this uh, this whole thing, uh, Sterling Moss also got into the car and drove his girlfriend somewhere. Like it was overnight drive, <laughs> so he was basically, um, yeah. <laughs> after after doing all that driving, <laughs> he yeah. actually did a bit more, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, but it was uh, also quite a, yeah, quite a remarkable race because uh, it, it was just very, very demanding, uh, you know, in terms of, not only in terms of agility, but also you had to be quite, uh, like I said, prepared for, for a long drive. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Is this um, going to Italy and... Yeah, this is, uh, by the way, Sterling Moss in one wall in Italian yeah. Grand Prix in Monza in 1957. And yeah, you can see, uh, you can see the actual, yeah, kind of the, 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 the picture from the race. Um, and again, uh, you know, you can, you can see that, um, uh, so the, the people around, uh, actually, you know, journalists and people who <laughs> kind of have permissions to be there <laughs> yeah. Ra rather than, so like, yeah, so, so, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, if we have, uh, uh, viewers kind of sectioned off from, from the main track, uh, which, um, was a big development back from 1955 when we had major incidents with members of the public uh, happening in, in motorsport, yeah. And as we said, last final in Italy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, tech. Uh, yeah, yeah Mas Maserati that we showed before. Again, this is 1955 make, but it didn't change much. <laughs> <laughs> 1957, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much, very, yeah, very similar car, very similar car. Yeah. Yeah, and as we shortly discussed in the beginning, uh, fascinating, even if uh, this, uh, this car was already, uh, let's say, a quite old development, it really aged much better 
then uh, the, its competitors, because here we see the uh, Ferrari 801, Mm -hmm. Even if it does not really look that way, because it doesn't have the, the uh, gas tanks on the left and the, and the right, it's still uh, development uh, based on the Lancer Ferrari D, D50. So I fear that model. So you see, it, it honestly, it looks quite similar now to the Maserati. Maserati car, yeah. But, uh, it wasn't that uh, competitive uh, the car and of course uh, the Ferrari team was heavily uh, influenced by the tragical loss by the critics in, uh, in society which of course also includes the, has an uh, impact on the engineers as for example uh, you, as a successful em employee you have to be somehow proud of the place you're working and if you have to discuss uh, or if you have to defend the place where you're working uh, to your family members, your friends and family, of course, uh, it makes it difficult that to really work uh, on your um, highest um, possibilities inside the company. So also, of course, the technical development, I'm sure, have been negatively affected by all the discussions inside the company. Uh, sorry, in, inside the society. Society, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, BRM, uh, <laughs> BRM P25. Yeah, like we said, uh, the sort of the BRM in a sense was the predecessor of one wall. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, uh, so like, like we said that I was, uh, you know, to some extent competitive in previous years. So we saw it uh, kind of uh, trying to, at least trying to compete. But yeah, uh, uh, didn't win any races that season, uh, whereas one wall did. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah, Cooper, Cooper's, uh, Cooper's also quite nice. This is T43. Yeah. Also really cute. <laughs> yep. Cute car, but again, like if you look at it, uh, yeah, compared to Italian cars, so that still looks a little bit like more like an amateur make yeah. uh, with all these pipes uh, uh, like one of my friends says with the guts inside out <laughs> and, yeah so but but nevertheless uh, very pleasant yeah very pleasant little car exactly and now let's come to a little bit to a but not a little bit but i think a very unusual uh, contender, Porsche, the, yeah. the Porsche RS550. I mean, you see the photo, this, this car was not particularly developed for Formula One, but uh, nevertheless, uh, they participated in the, in the races. And uh, you have, uh, at that time, we had the Formula One uh, um, races. But also inside these races, uh, some of the cars, especially the smaller teams, uh, you, uh, used cars based on the Formula 2 uh, um, rules and the requirements. And these rules had not been that well defined, to say it that way, meaning finding some loopholes going up to the limits of interpretation of uh, requirements. Uh, Porsche uh, uh, detected that they could participate in the Formula 1 races under the Formula 1 um, rules with their existing RS550. Of course, 
the car was much heavier, much bigger, and uh, it didn't play a role uh, in in the uh, earlier uh, ranks. Uh, so, but nevertheless, they had been able to participate and offered uh, with this also uh, a possibility for small teams to pass it, to participate at this uh, big uh, Formula One events with a relative small budget. Yeah, it kind of like reminds me in the previous season we had Bugatti, remember when they, yeah. they, they did... Uh, um, it's a it's a little bit of I think um, uh, I think by uh, uh, by this stage and I think this is probably why we went to the team competitions as well. Um, uh, so so from from this kind of from this point on, the the uh, um, uh, the various car makers started to realize that Formula One is a great way to advertise the product, uh, especially if you were in this. Uh, um, high-speed, uh, you know, luxury market, um, and um, yeah, so they just started to use this opportunity to just get out there and say, oh, you know, we can also make nice, <laughs> nice-looking, cute, <laughs> cute, uh, yes. fast cars, um, and uh, certainly that um, that that is, I mean, that is true. It's very expensive, obviously, to compete, but uh, definitely a very good uh, way to advertise your brand. Exactly, and uh, I mean, and I mean, the big difference is this is what this is not originally a one-seater as all other cars we saw from 1950 to now. But normally, this has uh, two cars has two uh, seats, and normally was developed uh, for other kind of races, more the street races, as the Mille Miglia, for example. And uh, of course, this car uh, became famous, but also not. Uh, uh, due to a positive fact, but this is the, the, the James Dean uh, Porsche, the car where he also competed in and uh, died in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, American uh, American car from, from uh, Indianapolis 500. Uh, again, Offenhauser, this time with Epperly, Epperly Offenhauser mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Um, again, uh, you can see as you can see, very different yeah. from from European cars. And uh, as Patrick kind of is, is emphasizing every time we talk about Indianapolis, you need a car that can do in, in, well in this pretty straight, uh, predictable, <laughs> yes, predictable I, I circuits. And not only straight, uh, but important, uh, pre- uh, predictable, because this car was made for oval Oval, races, for oval, uh, oval and, circuit, um, yeah. For... Oval circuits, because we, uh, we not only have Indianapolis 500, but in the IndyCar, uh, I think more than 50% of the, uh, of the races in each season are ovals. And you see this car is not uh, symmetrical, but... Mm-hmm as I think the engine also a little bit more on the right, so that ideally it's completely created for oval. So you can imagine with this car, you couldn't uh, really successfully compete on a a Formula One uh, track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, if you try to do it in Pescara, then it probably will die yeah. <laughs> on the first, uh, yeah, on, on, on one of those for, first turns because it's exactly. just not going to work for you. But uh, I mean, this this one is, is definitely good for, yeah, on a, on a predictable oval, 
yeah, when you need speed, basically, yeah, essentially speed and, and precision uh, on a, uh, on a turn. Yeah. Exactly. So you may say this car is, is uh, as you pointed out, is really made for predictable uh, scenarios, while uh, the Formula One cars normally um, are created for for surprises. <laughs> much less. Exactly. They are made much more done for, for surprises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, they're coming to the to the people. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, we've we've talked about uh, all these guys, and even uh, we talked a lot about Luigi Musso when we discussed uh, Mike Horton and yeah. uh, the kind of how he felt a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit sided by by the uh, the team because mm -hmm. there was this unhealthy competition between the yeah. British part. Uh, yeah, Peter Collins and uh, and Mike Thornton and uh, Luigi Musso, and uh, unfortunately Luigi died very young as well. Yeah, and, uh, as unfortunately uh, all these uh, three drivers. No, I mean, the, 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 I mean Fangio and Musso. No, no, I, I mean Mike Hoss, Mike Ah, you mean you mean you mean Mike? Uh, yeah, Mike, Peter, yeah. and uh, Luigi. Of course, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> not no, the no. ones, not the folks that you see on the screen. Yeah, I mean, no. but but, but like, yeah, yeah. Uh, both, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Both a very long life. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, Luigi Musso and Mike Thornton and and Peter Collins. Yeah, so yeah. Yes, and uh, again, uh, uh, Fangio he, he was quite a difference, uh, 46 against uh, Sterling Moss, 28, or Musso with 33. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, this is probably also why Fangio decided to retire. Yeah, or, or semi-retire, he continued, but n never on the highest level, I mean, not directly for the manufacturing teams. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Mar Mark uh, Horton that we've discussed uh, separately, and uh, he will become a champion next season in 1958. Yeah. Right? Uh, so unfortunately, I, I couldn't find like a Tony Brooks picture in in public domain. But this actually is the car that uh, they shared with Sterling Moss in 1957, and uh, they won. Uh, in Liverpool circuit, circuit. yeah. Yes. So that's, uh, um, again, Tony Brooks was very young. <laughs> right. Just 25 years old. Uh, Martin Gregory, oh my God. Yeah, that's another very interesting character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It also was 26 at the time. Yeah. Yes, and uh, interesting. Uh, we have here another uh, small uh, racing team, of course, also uh, benefiting, let's say, from, from the losses of uh, Ferrari and that uh, we don't have Mercedes anymore. But now it was possible for a driver like uh, Martin Gregory driving for, let's say, a smaller private team like the Scuderia Centro Sud to become sixth in the championship. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, uh, Harry Shell again. I couldn't find the proper picture, but if you, you, I'm sure you recognize Mike uh, Horton on, uh, on the right. So he's the second from the right, and then there is Alberto Ascari, and uh, some very <laughs> happy women with them over there. So, so yeah, so Harry Shell is is just a kind of second from the right there. Also very, uh, very cool guy. Uh, was 36 that year. And uh, again, was driving Maserati. Yeah, um, a lot of people in that year. Yeah, some honks again. I couldn't find the picture in the public domain, but we have the car, <laughs> so <laughs> so the car is there again. <laughs> and Peter Collins, yeah, the, this uh, the, the the guy who unfortunately will die the next year in Nurburgring. Um, and the teammate of of, of Mike uh, Horton and um, yeah, again yeah, you know, very young guy. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, also unfortunately died very early. Yeah. So um, yeah, in terms of the season, I guess. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm not going to be very original, but to me, the notable character, despite, uh, I mean, despite all the fantastic achievements by Sterling Moss, I'd say the notable character is Fangio. <laughs> because he, because, uh, you know, it's just an amazing, um, amazing way how he could uh, strategically choose uh, the, 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 the car and the way that he has driven that season was also very cool because you know you can you could see the kind of the rivalry with one wall and yeah. this uh, tony brooks um, and uh, sterling moss duo um, but you know still i mean the experience and uh, the ability to strategically choose uh, good decisions uh, is you know is something that probably you need to learn and it only comes with experience. You were the master of this, taking the right decisions. Yeah, um, yeah. in terms of a notable win, uh, I think to me that would be definitely this, uh, <laughs> this, this very long race in this car, <laughs> which, which was, which was, uh, you know, uh, the longest and uh, very dangerous. And, uh, you know, definitely you have to give credit to Sterling Moss for uh, winning it despite not being on pole, which uh, I can only assume how difficult that was. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know about notable accidents, what I would pick. Um, I, I would pick uh, the uh, accident at the Milia Milia, even if it's not. Uh, it's not Formula the Formula One, one accident. Strongly, strongly affected, uh, not only because we had uh, the Ferrari drivers killed, but it uh, changed uh, how society that year perceived the motorsports uh, in, in general and strongly affected, especially the uh, local uh, Ferrari team. So I think it has a very uh, had a very uh, high impact uh, on this uh, season, as we also saw that races had been uh, cancelled. So uh, I would say the, this would be the notable um, accident that uh, season. Yeah, indeed. And um, yeah, in terms of uh, strategies, um, I'd say um, 
yeah again again the brilliant fungi with his yeah. uh, with his choice of of the make um and the switching from ferrari to a different team because had he stayed with ferrari i mean things would have been uh probably not very good for him um i mean we can only guess but yeah i mean i i guess that that might might have been not as good as 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 with with maserati and then I also want to mention one wall because, uh, as we said, I mean, they made uh, some smart decisions not to spread themselves thinly across the season and not try to compete in, in Argentina, for example, and just to concentrate on local, you know, have a very, put up a very strong performance in the British Grand Prix, put up a very strong performance uh, in in Italy, you know, in other places where they were competitive, they knew they were competitive, and you know the, the so, and um, you know take some exactly. And here you may, may and here you may see that uh, behind uh, one wall was with Tony Vanderwell, uh, somebody from the business who had a clear business plan how to build up uh, a team, uh, thinking mm -hmm. on the long term. Uh, we're having a long-term uh, goal, and uh, I think one will have a very professional management, and uh, including, of course, a very successful strategy. Yeah, and uh, if you think about it, uh, in the end, uh, they won out of eight races. They won three, so they won uh, British uh, Grand Prix. They won this Pescara, which is a completely crazy <laughs> circuit. Grand Prix and then they also won Monza Grand Prix which which uh, is a, a very good run I would say for a young team like that this, this you know the first entry for them that I mean uh, uh, for this make let's just say no, we can't really call it properly team <laughs> but but nevertheless uh, strategically was very well paced and uh you know, if at the beginning of the season you saw kind of Maserati, 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 then pretty much for the last, uh, I mean, in the last four races, like three out of four was one wall. Um, so that, that, that was quite a big achievement for this, uh, you know, for this young team. Yeah, yeah completely agreed. Yeah, I mean, in terms of legacy, uh, again, this was the last uh, season for Fangio, and um, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and I guess yeah, I guess it, it's it, like uh, like I said, there are these two important important uh, um, uh, important events. It's kind of Fangio strikes again, and uh, the the rise of the British motorsport as a competitive, uh, more, you know. As a yeah, as as really competitive uh, um, col col collaboration between the driver and the and the and the make and the car make because before that we we didn't see that like yeah it was always it someone from Italy <laughs> or someone in Italian make. <laughs> yeah. uh, whereas in, the, in this case we saw that oh actually. You know, British British motor racing could be competitive, and uh, you yeah, know you the Brits could win. Forgot the German ones, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I do apologize. Indeed, I mean that's uh, that's an important one. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say that. Yeah, you know, I don't want to d d degrade the Mercedes achievement. That was really cool, 
because they came in and they immediately won a season. I mean, that, that was big. But um, uh, yeah, of course, but that's... Yeah, but, uh, but you're completely right. I mean, we see the, the rise of the British uh, teams in 57 and uh, uh, something which uh, is still is relevant up to uh, today as uh, most of the teams are uh, in, uh, based in UK even... Uh, yeah. Uh, if they're not a, a look like a British team, but honestly, most of the teams besides Ferrari. And yeah, many good things are made in walking and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Lamenton's power. <laughs> I, I used to live nearby, so I can tell you that it's a, yes, it's a big deal. So I'm hoping that coronavirus is not going to kill these wonderful places. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but certainly, uh, yeah, British British engineering is a big, big thing. And uh, it's cool that, you know, we saw the evolution from kind of this very weirdly looking, almost, uh, you know, so, so, you know, things that, that you don't even understand how it moves because it must have been made by a couple of people in the garage to... Uh, you know, things like one wall or Lotus, like we will see a Lotus uh, in later years. And then McLaren, of course, uh, you know, fantastic, absolutely fantastic cars. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, we will see many examples of, of British engineering. And definitely uh, it's cool to see that finally after, you know, seven seasons, we, fi we finally saw a competitive British team in, in this. Yes. Uh, in this sport yeah <laughs> yeah again thanks to patrick we're on many platforms <laughs> i'm really like i'm really lazy and only doing youtube but patrick is uh, uh, making sure that we are on everything else pretty much that you can find <laughs> yeah and as you know of course the base is the uh, youtube uh, but let's say if you are on holidays and uh, you want to continue following us, uh, you can also listen to us in the train, in the plane, just on audio on these different uh, platforms. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so that was the 1957 season. And uh, yeah, please let us know if you have any, uh, any additional comments and if we missed something, we're always uh, eager to hear uh, your, your views. And yeah, thanks a lot and we'll see you next time. Yep. See you next time. Bye-bye.